Welcome to In Search of Wisdom, where each episode explores how to integrate timeless wisdom into everyday life. We engage in meaningful conversations with leading thinkers in philosophy, leadership, theology, and everything in between. We leave no stone unturned in search of wisdom. To learn more, visit perennialleader.com. Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening. On today's episode, my guest is Tony Martinetti, the founder of Inspired Purpose Coaching and author of Climbing the Right Mountain. In this conversation, Tony and I discuss how to find your purpose, redefining success, discovering your values, embracing uncertainty, and much more. Please welcome the wise and gracious Tony Martinetti. Hey, Tony, welcome to In Search of Wisdom. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I'm glad to have you. I appreciate you being here. I was hoping to begin the conversation. We could discuss why you started the podcast, The Virtual Campfire. Yeah, no, I, I started it about a year ago, uh, June. And the reason why I started it is because I was feeling like I wanted to have a place where people could share their stories. I found out for myself that when you embrace um, your past, your stories of transformation, if you will, um, that it really can be uh, trans, it can transform you and move you forward in a very powerful way. And so I created a space for people to show up and really, you know, share their stories, but also reveal the moments that revealed them. It looks like you're about a hundred episodes in based on my rough math. What would you say are a couple life lessons or, or themes that maybe come up in some of these conversations you've had? I'm so glad you you asked that question because there's one thing that I've realized is that we're all different in our own way, but where there's a lot of themes that are central. We don't go alone. You know, we may have our own um, struggles, but the best way to navigate through the world is to find the help and the counsel of other people and rely on other people. And it actually takes a lot of courage to, to look to other people and ask them for help. Um, so that's one thing I've learned, um, through the journey that I'm going on that, uh, that people have shared with me. And the other thing is it takes one moment of courage to step out of that current life you have and to risk it all and to get into another life that's possible. Um, in that one moment of courage, you can change everything for the mm-hmm. positive. And that's what I've seen from a lot of the stories that people have shared. And the third thing is that a lot of the kernels of who we become are planted um, in the seeds of our youth. And oftentimes we, we, we suppress them throughout our lives and then they come back. So, um, that's why I say, you know, oftentimes the, our past, we run from it, but we should embrace it and see where, what it's telling us. I love that. Definitely. The one moment of courage, I think will, will resonate with, uh, many people out there. I've got a similar question around your coaching practice and the, and the work that, that you do with individuals. Um, 
hundreds of hours of, of coaching under your belt. What would you yeah. say are some of the universal themes that we tend to struggle with? Yeah. One of the things that has really um, been clear for me is that I work with a lot of accomplished leaders who don't really know that they're accomplished. They, we are so quick to discount the work that we do um, that it gets to the point where we just simply say, oh, great, we did this. Now we move on and we continue to get to the next thing that we want to do. And I think one of the things that I try to focus people on is to celebrate and recognize the things that they're really good at and what they've done. Celebrate those accomplishments and see them as parts of the path to getting to the next big thing, but ensuring that we do celebrate them. Take a moment to see what gifts are in that. Um, you know, it comes back to this concept of the gap and the gain, right? If you're focused on, you know, the future and always the future, then what happens is you're constantly thinking, oh, I've got so much more to go, there's so much more to go. But if you can look at the things you've gained um, along your journey, then you start to be appreciative of the things that you've accomplished already. And that gives you strength. That's really interesting. Why do you think that is? Do you categorize that in kind of an inner critic type of thing or navigating humility and, and confidence, that balance? How do you, any thoughts there? Yeah, well, I, I'm going to, going to play with this for a moment and see, um, see what you think about this. So one of the things I often see is that people think that they're lacking something all the time. And it comes from the fact that we we're living in a world where we're always seeing everyone else's middle and the, their, their polished view of the world. Social media is, is kind of mapped that way where we get to see this, you know, oh, look at my, my fantastic life. And ultimately what happens is that sets everyone else for failure. We're like, okay, well, I may be doing really great stuff in the world, but ultimately I'm not like that person or I'm not doing the things that society says is success. And so that means I must be a failure. I might not be measuring up to what I should be. And therefore um, that lack has you stuck in the cycle of, I don't have time to celebrate my wins. I just have time to move forward and think what's next. Um, so that's really where I think a lot of people get stuck. And so I, I get them thinking to break out of that pattern and to really move away, pause, recognize what's happening, and then think, what does the current situation create for me? How do you so, help people to, to see that? Any particular practices i think of mm. like the the stoic view from above or something like that what uh what comes to mind yeah and i, I gotta say i love you know the, your uh, your viewpoint on um, stoicism it's really amazing so um first of all i love to think about the obstacles of the way right the thing that you're focused on the thing that you know is mostly getting in your way that's blocking your path in some ways you have to step away from it um and see it as why is that keeping tripping me up? Why am I constantly, you know, grinding my gears in that one thing? Maybe I need to step away from it. And mm. I, I use this, this analogy of expand your vision, narrow your focus, because what happens is we're so myopic sometimes that we need to step away from all of that 
see what other possibilities are, are available and then move forward. It may be that the thing that's blocking us is the path forward, or it may be that the thing that's blocking us, we're making it into a bigger thing than it is. Mm. And we can go around it. We can move over it. Um, and once we get that clarity of what it is that we're dealing with, um, we can create a strategy to, to navigate through it, the focus that we need to, to go right through it. I love that. When you, I guess before we get too far into the, into the conversation, when you think of inspired purpose, how, how might you define that? Yeah. I love that you asked this question because I get this question from time to time. And when people are like coming from a place of inspired purpose, this, you know, I, I thought of this concept from the, from my own life, but also for other people's lives, I wasn't living in my own purpose because I was navigating a path that wasn't my own for many years. I had accepted, um, what I thought people wanted of me. Um, when people are really choosing to be on the path, that's their inspired purpose. It's a place where they feel as though everything is aligned with who they're meant to be. They're connected with their soul's purpose and inspiration is really driving them towards that. I often say that inspiration is a communication with your soul's purpose because it's like the, um, the clues that are lining you up towards the thing that you're really meant to be doing. And when you get to that inspired purpose, you know you're there because you wake up with a sense of there's nothing else I would want to be doing right now in this moment. Mm. This is what I'm meant to be doing on this planet. Could that be fulfilled, do you think, with a, a hobby or an extracurricular? Or do you see it in your experience of working with people that it it really aligns when it then it's when it's what you do, you know, as mm-hmm. a career. It's a great question you ask because there's, there's two things to this. That number one is that um, inspired when you're making um, a connection to your inspired purpose, there's an element of being wired to that impact that you're making in the world, and then ultimately to have a, a legacy that you leave behind. So when you when you're doing something that is really truly you know, creating an impact in the world. It could be from a hobby. Maybe it starts as a hobby, but if you're only doing it part-time, it at some point will take over you. You know, it'll become more of what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when you do it a part-time, it's actually great because in some ways it starts to give you the fuel to do other things in your life. Your, your, maybe your day job is your livelihood for a period of time and your hobby inspires you and keeps you going, but it impacts you in other ways. It spills over. Eventually though, you're going to find a way, a way to make that hobby into something that's bigger than just a side gig, if you will. Mm. You write in climbing the right mountain. Many people spend a lifetime pursuing the wrong goal. It, it makes me think of Daniel Kahneman quote or around this treadmill that that we get on. And I sometimes struggle a a bit with, with this. How do you differentiate the wrong goal from 
part of the part of the journey, if you will. Yeah. Well, the starting point is that when you are on the the wrong goal, you I mean, I guess to understand your question exactly, um, how do you know when you're pursuing the wrong goal? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're you know you're pursuing the wrong goal when you've lost all passion for what you're doing. And you basically, the only thing you're looking forward to is to have having the happiness that comes at the end of accomplishing it. Mm. And you've lost the passion for doing the actual work to get there. Mm. And I think ultimately that's what that, where that sentiment comes from is this feeling that, you know, you, you might choose to, to, to take a path that, in the end, doesn't is not the end goal that you're you're after. But in the process of doing this goal, you're finding fulfillment. You're finding growth in the process, and you're enjoying the process of doing the work. That's the important part. It's finding fulfillment in the work that you're doing. Um, but if your only outcome you're looking for is to be happy when you get to the end of that goal, then there's something missing. You will have a hard time accomplishing a goal when the only thing you want to do is finish it. Hmm. You also mentioned some thoughts around success and, and achievement and this striving, if you will. What may be a, a, a more useful way to, to think about success, Tony? Yeah. Well, I, I love the idea of um, borrowing from my friend uh, Stephen Covey, which is just like his, he's timeless. His, his wisdom is timeless, really. Um, the begin with the end in mind, you know, is such a beautiful sentiment because you have to think about what do I want my, um, you know, what I want to look like, what do I want success to look like in my own vision of what that looks like. Again, don't let other people define what that looks like for you. Um, but when you have that vision of what success looks like for you, then you can start to become it. You get to live into it right now and embody that. It's about the being, being the person you want to be in the future right now and taking the steps to become that in this very moment. I often think about it from the perspective of like, um, of the athlete, right? You know, the athlete mindset, like if you want to be a marathon runner, um, Say I'm a runner, I'm a marathon runner, and you start to think, well, what does a marathon runner do? What are the habits they embody? What is the mentality that they have? Mm-hmm. And don't think of it as like someday I'll run a marathon. Just think about it. I run marathons. Yeah. How do you think about the three lies of identity? Henry Nowen wrote about it. It came up in a in a few podcast episodes ago. I am what I do. I am what I have. I am what others say about me. Mm. Ooh, I love that. That's really cool. Um, and I think one of those things that really is interesting is that, you know, saying it like that is you are never, it's hard to really kind of place yourself in a box and really define yourself. I, I hate define definitions are really kind of challenging. Um, so whenever someone tries to make you into something that you are, you know, defining yourself by, it's really hard. I always say, like, I want to get out of the boxes that I'm defining myself in the past. So when you say, I am what I do, I am what I, you know, you can say it again, but it's basically, I think one of the things that I like to do is I like to say, challenge that, challenge that definition. 
because mm-hmm. ultimately I, for many years, and I know f- so many people out there challenge, uh, often say that they are something and then feel like that now limits them from being something else. So that sentiment makes me think, what can we do to really kind of move out of that thinking and say, I'm limitless. I can be whatever I want. I can create whatever I want. And this painting that we're, that we're, that we're painting our lives with, it's, it's never finished. You mentioned success being very personal, which Mm -hmm. I think is such an important point. How, how might someone craft their own personalized definition of, of success? Any starting points come to mind? Yeah. So I often think about it as like a, I love time travel. So that's one of the things I'm, I'm, I start with. Um, I often joke about being the time traveling anthropologist um, <laughs> where I, you start with your past. You look back, you say, what is what are the things I'm starting with that I want to um, include? What do I want to include and transcend from my past? And then I look into the future and I say, what does my future vision look like? What am I envisioning for that future? That's the, the next part of really, you know, defining that success. What do I want that to look like? And then I bring us into the present and I say, okay, what can I do in this very moment now to act on that? What is the, the action that in this very moment will, will put me in trajectory to being that person? Mm. Um, so that time travel is really what allows people to step out of that stuckness that they get into and to really think, wow, like if I have this definition of success, I can actually create that. I have more control than I thought I did. Do you, do you see us being heavily influenced by culture, family, organization on what success is? I and mean, what, what do you think is the biggest influence and how might we spot it creeping in on our definition of success? Yeah. I mean, I guess the, I would say boldly, yes. Um, it's really hard not to be influenced. You know, our environments shape us and that's a good thing to an extent, but it's also a bad thing. You know, I talk about ad- adaptation and I'm just going on a little tangent here, but I'll just say that, you know, we adapt to the environments we live in and, Sometimes if the environment is toxic, we can adapt to that as well. Um, that's the kind of the, the amazing thing about being, um, about being humans, you know, being an adaptable human is that you can adapt to whatever you live in. Um, the environment that your parents are, you know, were brought up in, our parents were brought in, they, they had like one job for all their lives. And so when you come in and you have like a different way of looking at the world, they're trying to shape your career based on what they know. And I think that's ultimately what's challenging is that you have this feeling of like, you want to respect and understand what, where they're coming from, but you also have to blaze your own trail. You have to be your own person. And that's, what's really challenging about like having the courage and the bravery to be the person who does the, the thing that you really have in your heart to do. I really appreciated the point on adaptation. Um, Mm. Some of those 
unhealthy environments can start to feel very normal as we adapt to them. I think that's a really important point. You include an interesting quote that I had not heard from Viktor Frankl that says success like happiness cannot be pursued. It must ensue. And it only does so um, basically as an un- unintended side effect. What does that mean to you? Yeah. I mean, it's basically about this whole feeling that you you can't pursue this you can't pursue happiness. You have to basically allow, you know, you have to come from a place of happiness. You have to embody, you know, this attitude that life is, um, if you come from a place of I'm fulfilled and happy with who I am right now, um, then the things that I want will come to me. It's almost like the, uh, you know, I don't need to be too drawn too much the secret, but the secret in some ways is grounded in some reality <laughs> that there is, you start to attract the things that you most um, need in your life by the attitude that you bring to your life. It seems to also connect with some of the ancient wisdom around striving and grasping. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think of Anthony DeMello, I, I believe writes in awareness of once you set out for it, you know, you, you lose it. Once you label it, you lose it. it, it I mm. wonder if there's any connection with holding things uh, a bit looser. Yeah. And like detaching from the outcome too, in a sense, mm. which is another yeah. part of it. I, I love the way you, you, you pulled in and that was really cool because I think you're absolutely right in terms of like, if you hold onto it too tightly and, you try to pursue it so maniacally, almost single focusly. That's really, if you take a moment and look back at the book, Climbing the Right Mountain, the whole idea is that you singularly focus on one thing and then you get to the top and you realize, this is not what I wanted. This is not the life that I intended for. Well, if you leave yourself open to changing your path along the way, keeping things a little looser, detach from that outcome, then what happens is you can create a life that actually is more fulfilling on that path because you're not as single-mindedly focused on just the thing at the end. You also write quite a bit about values and how they, they guide us along, along this journey. What might mm-hmm. be a good starting point for someone to identify their own personal values? I always find this challenging. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I always kind of use this this thought process around because I came from like a an, I was an artist, then a scientist, and then I got into the business world. Um, and I use the analogy of using your life as an um, an exper- you know, as a laboratory, and you know, do experiments. When you look at the things that show up in your life on an ongoing basis, and you look for the clues. Um, where have you seen certain things show up where, you know, you were, you were triggered, you know, where are the triggers that show up in your life? Now, for example, if you were at work and someone really pissed you off, like what happened in that situation? What were the things that were going on and where might there be a value hidden in that? Um, I think we are most 
we can most understand the, the situations where the negative things have happened and not necessarily the positive things because we remember the negatives much more vividly. Um, when you reflect on those moments when someone triggers you, you can say, you know why I was, I was upset because someone challenged my value of, you know, integrity or my value of, you know, freedom or my value of whatever it may be. And that's where you start to kind of unwind those, those stories. When you think of values, there's so many to, to choose from. What might be an ideal hmm. set of values? I, I retired from the Air Force and there was three core values and you get into hmm. virtues and there's so many different virtues. What, um, what comes to mind around, you know, establishing those values? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, don't try to make them too, uh, don't do too many. I mean, I would say yeah. make sure you keep them to a, a short list because if you try to, um, to honor too many values at once, then you're going to end up having uh, a challenge trying to align to those values. Mm. Um, so I always say between three and five values is, is something to, um, to strive for nothing more, nothing less. Um, and what I would usually say to do is when you're trying to look for those values, you, you know, don't like feel like it has to be an exercise that's done and dusted in one, in one sitting, you know, you try to explore, like I said, spend some time, think it through, look what other people might see in the way that you act and bring yourself into the world. Um, use it as like an ongoing research uh, project that shows up in the way that you're, you know, moving around. Um, what I've found is that there's a, there's a lot of different resources. In fact, I have a resource that I, I can offer up, which, um, is a starting base, but look at the clues from the things that have shown up in your past. For me, when I looked at, at my values, one of the values that I hold very dearly is adventure. And I realized that when I looked back at my, at my life, I was always out having adventures. I was, you know, traveling the world, doing things, always taking risks, getting out of my comfort zone. So adventure was something that just showed up as I looked back and reflected on my life and curiosity. Mm. I've got, you know, I found myself constantly asking more and more questions. So when I started to look back at that list of the values that I held, it was, it became clear, but you have to spend the time to really dig into that. When you think of adventure personally for you, have your thoughts on adventure, you know, changed in the last few decades? Yeah, because adventure is not what I thought it was initially. At first, I thought it was like it had to be this like, you know, um, jumping out of a plane and, you know, climbing up these you know perilous you know, peaks or sometimes adventure just means getting outside and like having conversations with people in different countries and, you know, going to places that you wouldn't dare to go in the past. You know, I went, um, I traveled to, um, Auschwitz in, in uh, Poland mm. when I was, um, I studied in, um, in, um, Europe for my MBA. And when I was there, I was like, I don't know if I want to go there. That seems like a very dark, you know, dreary place to be. But for me, that was an adventure because, it put me out of my comfort zone and it made me think this is something I have to experience to really appreciate the, this part in, of history and what people went through. And so I'm glad that I took that chance. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that I took, put myself in that place 
of experiencing, you know, what it was like there. Um, and I'm so, I'm so grateful I did. Uh, oftentimes just going and, and, you know, experiencing things for the first time, that's what I call, you know, really putting yourself on the edge of adventure. That's really helpful. Something I resonate with that you um, write is around uncertainty. You say, don't plan mm. out every every detail. Leave some things to chance and mm. be open to seeing what happens. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I guess the question is, how do we how do we do that? Sometimes easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Practice it. You know? <laughs> yeah, you have to. You have to be. You have to get into this. Um, build the muscle of of being able to really let go of control of all the things that you try to control, because the world is not wired for us to be um, constantly knowing mm-hmm. everything that is around us. Um, and it's hard because I know that, uh, you know, even from my prior life, I was always wanting to know, you know, when I was in my corporate, my corporate career, part of my job was getting to know all the things that were happening in the world. You know, mm. I was a finance, had a finance career in biotech and it was all about, you know, de-risking things. Um, so for the most part, it's hard not to want to know, mm. but ultimately getting more comfortable in the not knowing is where you build, you build that muscle over time. I've got a few wrap up questions that I'd love to get your thoughts on. And one, mm-hmm. since you're a hundred episodes into the virtual campfire, I'm, I'm curious if there was someone that you would, you know, really love to have on the, on the podcast. Mm. <sighs> yes, there is. Well, there's two people. I'm, I'm going to mention both of them. Um, one of them would be Tim Ferriss, because I think it'd be so interesting to interview somebody who's interviewed so many people. Yeah. And it's just, I find so remarkable um, as an individual. Um, the other person would be um, more, I would probably say Marshall Goldsmith. Mm. Um, because he, he just embodies this, like there's something about him that, he always seems to maintain this positive, optimistic view of the world. No matter what he does, he's always able to maintain a great attitude. He's coached amazing leaders throughout the world. He's somebody who, for me, is a mentor and a, a guiding force, if you will, in what I, the work I do. Mm. Um, so he's my he's the he's the goal for me. Mm. How about around that comes to mind of this unwavering commitment and, and dedication when you when you find that inspired purpose that that mm-hmm. thing that makes you feel alive how can we stick to that it it may sound e- it may sound easy but we're often distracted and it we seem to get so many second guess mm-hmm. thoughts that that come up how can we really follow that yeah, it's a great question. And honestly, you should be getting second guess along the way. In fact, if you do get second guess, it's okay. That's part of the the, the, the process. And you're never going to be quite fully evolved. We're never quite finished. 
you know, one of the things that I, I think about is, is this iceberg effect. Like, I, I hope that I'm only only seeing the top of the iceberg always because mm-hmm. that means there's so much more to be revealed that my purpose is not completed yet. It just means that I'm I'm in this groove of understanding that I'm aligned with a purpose that I'm inspired by. There might be multiple purposes that are ideal for me. Um, if I'm feeling some doubts, maybe it's time to time to pivot into a slightly different part of this purpose. Mm-hmm. And that the reason why I say that is I think about like starting as an entrepreneur, you start a business and you say like, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to make widgets. That's my job. That's what I, my, uh, my business is going to be all about. And then you get started and you realize, you know, I love making widgets, but I think I could make even better widgets or I could make, you know, something different. And you start to pivot into something different, but you realize you're still aligned with like helping people with, you know, their job that they're trying to, the jobs to be done, which is whatever the widgets serve. And it's about the vehicle to get there is, has changed, but the purpose that you're really driving towards is still the same. Mm. You want to help people. Mm. And I think that's where like you start to change the way you deliver it. But ultimately um, the underlying reason for why you do it is somehow is still there. It's just Mm. lightly tweaked. I love what you said around we're never quite finished. When you Mm. think about this, do you, would you call this an infinite path? If you, if you will, towards our, towards our purpose. Yeah. I love you say that. Cause it's just something about that, that really feels so, it's so limitless. And, and it feels in the sense that you can always, this more to be had. Um, and you know, it can feel scary at times because you feel like, well, you know, when am I going to be done? When am I going to be able to rest? Well, you can rest along the way. You have to rest along the way and refuel and re, you know, kind of fill the tank again. But ultimately the great thing is that you never know what the next thing could be. It could be a complete surprise, mm-hmm. something fascinating. And I always um, think that that's where that, you know, the infiniteness of that is so cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, you made me think of something and I just wanted to share this. One of my favorite analogies is like, um, comes from Todd Henry. Um, it's about the, you know, die, dying empty. Um, having people die with the song in them empty from when they, when they go along, I know it's kind of dire, but that's one of the reasons why I really get excited about unlocking people's potential. Cause I want to make sure that they get everything they have inside of them out and ensure that, they don't feel like there's ever they're ever holding anything back inside of them mm. that could get out into the world. An idea, whatever creative thing that they have inside of them that they're able to really unlock it. They don't hold back because ultimately when you can die empty, then you can feel as though I did everything I could to, to put on the flip, to put it all out in the world. Yeah, that's great. Maybe a difficult question to wrap up with, but if you could give the listeners a a simple, really small, tiny step to live an inspired life, what comes to mind? Okay. 
Well, this is the the probably the easiest one that I can think of right now, which is to say, um, look at your next week. And in your next week, if there's not one thing you're looking forward to, replan your week. You need to have something to look forward to. And if you don't have anything to look forward to, then it's time to change the course you're on. That's great. I encourage everyone to check out the Virtual Campfire podcast, the Inspired Purpose Coach. This has been a great conversation. Where do you point people interested in connecting with you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. This has been amazing. The best place to to find me is inspiredpurposecoach.com. Um, you can find, you can go there. You can also take my assessment, which is called the leader's leader's journey, um, which is an assessment tool to find out where you are. And, um, you can also find me on social media. All right. Love that. And we'll link everything in the show notes. So please check out Tony, Tony Martinetti. Thank you for your time today. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. You can get the show notes and links to resources mentioned at perennialleader.com slash podcast. If you're interested in learning more, subscribe to The Path. It's our free weekly newsletter. These are short reflections on wisdom for everyday life right to your inbox. And lastly, I urge you to put what you heard into practice. Until next time, be wise and be well.